Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Minutes after two o'clock. Thank you so much for staying with us. So, Ask Africa have been putting together surveys, weekly surveys, for the past 19 weeks now, and just tracking how we're doing during this pandemic. It's been quite something. It's been quite a journey. Um, I'm going to be speaking to the CEO of Ask Africa and just check in on how the 19 weeks has been and how we're doing. Andrea joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Pamela. Hello. You never thought it was going to be 19 weeks, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I think nobody did. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, we're in un- uncharted waters at the moment, or have been this year. I remember talking to you for the very first time in the first week, and it yeah. was interesting because here we were faced with this pandemic. It was very scary and so on. However, mm. we had an optimistic outlook on how the country and government was dealing with it at the time. I, mm. I, I remember that very clearly. I also remember how there was this uniformity. So um, parties were rallying together. They were talking together. They showed united front. And I, I think I distinctly remember saying, I've never, ever seen this before. Then Correct. everything changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are we doing 19 weeks in? 19 weeks in. Yeah, so maybe um, just to comment on, on what you've already raised, the, the way our country rallied um, together and um, uh, to support President Ramaphosa was fantastic. It was euphoric, right? We were all willing to, to take a punch or two for the sake of everybody else. In the ratings, we saw the first dip of this solidarity after Minister Lamini Zuma contradicted the president. Mm. Then it, it, there was a bit of a wobble. And then um, with, with the constant queries and the nearly confuse, confusing rules, in a sense the lack of logic, yeah. um, also uh, caused a decline in, in trust. For, for the president, and at the moment, um, so, so he's dropped, and the rest of the ministers have dropped by more than 20% over the time of the lockdown. So we've actually, I think, lost a golden opportunity um, to rally our polit- politicians together with the communities they're serving. Hmm. Um, Andrea, I'm, the- I'm going to ask people to call in just to, to also just you know, have a, a little dipstick here and see how they actually feel. I, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. just to add to your to your survey how how they feel and how they feel about how government is managing all that we're seeing at the moment. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. And I think I remember us having this exercise, doing this exercise, and mm-hmm. I bet you it's going to be very different. So oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. You can also send voice notes on oh six one four one zero four one zero seven. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.7 FM in Cape Town. We 
are chatting to Ask Africa. We're touching base with them. They've been tracking how we feel about how government is uh, uh, managing COVID-19. They've been tracking how we feel for the last for the last 19 weeks. Each week they bring out some results of a survey, just checking in on us. And uh, it is, as I said, 19 weeks in. And so much has changed since we, you know, we started this whole uh, survey conversation. So. Andrea, when when did people start feeling? You said you know when 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 Minister Nkosazanadlamini Zuma um, was not quite saying the same thing as what the president had said. That started showing some some dip in confidence from from the public. Yes, the the response was um, nearly immediate, Pamela. The interesting thing we've seen in the survey is that. Different groups of of our country react differently. Mm. So as a general rule, it looks like women and the youth are far more critical of of government Ah. and whatever is being done. So whether we ask about food parcels, about support for the poor, about um, the health system or support for businesses, it's always women and the youth that say so much more can be done. Hmm. Um, is it yes, is it and because their lived experiences are worse? Their their lived experiences are different. So we've seen from the start that the youth was far far more fearful of the virus. The youth, in fact, was the most fearful group of all citizens. We could also see um, a very interesting response, which we looked at during Women's Month between women and men. So women seem to be managing better, but it seems to be more a function of their courage and their social support than men. Explain, but women explain also the so- social support being bit. far more depressed and distressed and hopeless about the entire lockdown environment. Let, let's unpack the social support bit, Andrea. What, what do you mean by that? What, what is it that was, how were they better supported? Um, so, so we asked, um, we had a whole section around Ubuntu, mm-hmm. and men would say they would, um, so the, the, there were lots of questions, but the men said that if they ran out of money, yeah. they would just move in with friends or, or move around. Okay. Now, women, um, oftentimes being the primary caregiver of children, didn't have that flexibility. <sighs> so women have a higher level of Ubuntu in the sense of they are willing to to go out of their way with sanitation behaviors and supporting each other more so than what the men are. So so that was quite an interesting difference, especially given the fact that the women experience a higher financial distress. We've seen this in other surveys as well. Um, They have less or seem to have less access to UIF and and the government support that's available. Um, we've also seen that women are more concerned about the level of food in their households. Just a little bit, 6% more concerned than what the men are. Um, but the, the, the women's financial distress is just higher. I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that they, fa- that they felt that the support from government was less. Was that actually mm. the case or... Or am I am I misunderstanding here? Were, so, did so government support women less? Because I I mean the government hasn't published um, uh. who 
hasn't published the demographics yeah. of the citizens who got payouts of UIF or TERS or, or the, you know, we don't know if the food parcels actually went to child or female-headed households mm-hmm. um, because this, this data is just not available. So we don't know. But what this research does it, is it provides a citizen's voice of mm-hmm. what they've experienced. And the women are saying are, are just more critical and saying the food parcels have been bare um, and irregular. So there's an irregularity about the government service to, to citizens, which the women particularly are critical about. Mm-hmm. If, Pamela, you also consider the whole um, uproar about schooling and yes. the uncertainty around schooling, mm-hmm. that too affected primarily the youth mm-hmm. and women. Because women were saying that, yes, they would like to go back to work, but childcare arrangements weren't available. So more than a third of women were not able to go back to work because of the childcare not in, being in place. And that's been one of the practical ramifications of um, everybody, government, business, citizens, being mm-hmm. in, a, in a situation where from day to day things change. So, but, but since we're all in a system... It's a, it's a problem when the childcare isn't available, but the women actually need to go to earn an income. I, I'm, you know, this is quite interesting for me because I'm also just thinking about the practicalities that mm-hmm. perhaps women just didn't persist in, in going after, you know, the grants and so on because logistically it was more difficult. So if you don't have data and you cannot apply and, and those things are not mm-hmm. in place, you just maybe are likely to abandon it quicker while government was finding their feet. And we know this, that, that you know, it wasn't quite smooth Pamela, sailing. I think you did, did. You're absolutely right. When we asked a question to women also with regards to gender-based violence, mm-hmm. would they be able, do they know where to go to? Mm. Do they know uh, who to report this to? It was about, it was nearly a third of women who said they don't know. Mm. So I think women are certainly at a disadvantage when it comes to information and actually being able to act themselves um, out of a situation using government structures. And that's why I think the the reliance on social support or Ubuntu is stronger with women um, than men. They need it more. I mean, it's fascinating because I can tell you now, the choice between buying data and buying bread, if you're faced Mm -hmm. with that as a mother, you're very likely to abandon the data and buy the bread. Absolutely. We've also seen, um, Pamela, which, which I thought was quite a distressing result out of last week's data, that um, the level of borrowing and selling of personal assets is very high in South Africa because we've seen that 61% of the citizens actually reported a loss of income. And when you look at the value of those loans, whether it's from Mashonisas or wherever it is, 45% of those loans are taken at, uh, at a value below a thousand rand. Oh. Now, that would be a value that's being used for food, right? Mm. And um, only 12% of citizens actually have a loan value of more than 3,000 rand. Now, this is a, is a huge and clear statement on, on the socioeconomic levels in our country. And the, and the worry here was that 40% of those citizens who loan money are not even confident about repaying them. So hold on, hold you know? on, Andrea. If, if you're saying that that value was below 1,000 rand, what this mm-hmm. tells us 
from my understanding, is that most of those people were just trying to survive, to just eat. Pamela, that's my point, you know, and I think that's the point that needs to be made about social grants. We've all gasped when we heard 22 million individuals are lined up for social grants. But if you look at the values, you know, I'd be the first to support the social grants or maybe a basic income grant because this tells you that a thousand rand and the, the value of the grants aren't excessively high that it would allow acquisition of assets. Mm-hmm. This level of money is for food it's and food. basic sust- uh, sustenance of family and children. My gosh. Okay. I need to breathe. Oh, 0891 104 207. I'll also take your WhatsApp notes on 0614 104 107. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Andrea Radameya is from Ask Africa. They've been on the ground for the past 19 weeks tracking how government is doing and more importantly, how we feel about how government has responded to COVID-19. And I just find some of these findings really quite interesting. But let me just quickly take a caller, um, Andrea. Juluka is calling us from Malulega. Thank you so much for calling, Juluka. Welcome to the show. Good, good afternoon, Tumelo. Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> I could be better. 40% I'm, of South I'm Africans good. are starving. I could be better. Yes. Mm. You know, I cannot agree more with your guest there. Because whatever she's saying, it is very correct and true. Mm. Uh, in terms of, um, I mean, Ramaphosa losing the, the grip in terms of um, the ratings. It's very true. Because if you, 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 you look at the previous regime of, 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 of Zuma, I'll come to the issue of social grant that she mentioned there. Yes. Zuma was very decisive. If he did not like you, he will remove you. Because he did not want people to sabotage his administration. But look at what is happening with Ramaphosa now. He just allows everything and everything. When it comes to the issue of social grants that she mentioned, the thousand rand and so on, yes, indeed. And the only problem now, you see, the EFF is quiet now about this. The moment they remove that after this COVID thing, that's when they lost the plot in terms of winning the next uh, elections. So he must be very careful on that one because people are watching. And those guys are building uh, uh, their new manifestos now based on that. Mm. You see, Andre. and then the last thing. Yes, yes. The last thing, uh, Pimelo, mm-hmm. quickly. Yes. What, what, what Cyril Ramaphosa should do, or the president, is just to stand up. It should be actually about this new high court, I mean, uh, constitutional court ruling to say he can stand in as an independent candidate. He must just remove all the rotten apples within the ANC, and he does not wait for sympathy for them to back into to be the, the, the I mean, second term president of the ANC. Remove them, they don't give him support, and then he shows us South Africans that I've dealt with all those corrupt people, whether you ANC vote me to be there, when it comes to election, I'll stand as an independent person. That will be a very good example of a leader. Interesting. Thank you so much for that take, Angelica. Uh, let's go to some voice notes uh, before we come back to you, Andrea. Hello. Um, okay, so my mom is in tourism. She's a travel agent um, and she's been negatively affected by COVID as she 
isn't receiving an income at all. So she's been having to like make a plan and make do with what she can because she obviously isn't receiving an income. And she actually said to us the other day that this is the first time ever in her life that she's not earning a salary. She's unable to make money, so money isn't coming in at all. And it's very stressful um, for her and for my family because um, we obviously can't do the things that we would have done before COVID and we're currently living like off my dad's salary at the moment so it's just been very very stressful and obviously my dad's been um like put back his he's obviously not earning as much as he was before COVID um so my mom's just been negatively negatively affected as she is unable to make money and earn money um but she's slowly um starting to pick up now on level two as um she's helping um her clients um, make plans for so she didn't um necessarily cancel all of her um clients tickets and everything obviously if they they wanted that then she did but she offered like a year um plan so that they could go next year um, and like make a plan for next year or whatever the case might be um so she's been able to to book um flights to like durban um like obviously um under level two restrictions and rules and everything so she's picking up slowly but obviously it's not even close to where um she was and yeah um obviously it's a little bit hectic at the moment and hopefully she will pick up soon but also i think it's going to take a long time for her to build up as um just because people can travel um in level one or whatever doesn't mean that they will have the money to you know so i think it's very um it's just taking a strain on everybody not just tourism um so yeah um thank you so andrea i mean that is the reality for many south africans uh, many of them who were employed who were earning a living and suddenly everything dried up immediately you, mm-hmm. you you've gone into some solutions and and what could be done i mean just give us a sense of, of what your thoughts were so um this this um, young woman spoke about the economy. Mm. So what I would do if if I could, if I was in the president's boots, I would make cheap data available to business and yeah. uh, as a leg up for new startups and even current businesses, but also to to society. Mm. You know, just to get going. Whether it is to you know, it should be free yeah. to call any government department for support. Yeah. Then I would also significantly reduce the red tape for the informal sector in order to encourage those very, very rare entrepreneurs there might be to actually start, go out there and start a business. Um, if, if possible, which I think it is possible, is create tax breaks for um, the public-private partnerships if they include civil society. Civil society have been the heroes of, of the lockdown, and I think it's important to give them a, a seat at the boardroom table. Mm. 
um, tax holidays for all new entities. If, if this child who called, if her mother now went and registered her own company, give her a tax holiday for the first six months, mm. you know, to get her on the feet. Mm. And if the red tape is removed and the um, labor, you know, if the unions would collaborate to having different employment rules for the informal sector for the SMEs as opposed to corporate. Yeah. I think it would it could create a entrepreneurial flourish in our country. You know, I but think at the moment the small the the, the small companies are hammered yeah. with the same huge five ton hammer yeah. which is used for corporate. And in fact, Andrea, I was just thinking about this earlier about how if we don't see the we need everybody to be on board. We're not going to get it right. So, and and I'll, I was just listening to an ad, an ad of one mm. of the, the the insurance companies saying that they've got a, a stop start plan. So, if you had stopped paying whatever insurance and you suddenly are starting to go back into business or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and some money is coming in, when you start paying. You don't have to have this waiting period, this ridiculous waiting period. I mean, if you've been a customer for 10 years and suddenly this exactly, happened. Exactly, that's amazing. But I there are that. companies that don't see that and, and expect mm. you to start over again as if you've never existed, as if you've never given them business. It's, a, you know, it's, it's something that everybody needs to pick up on to say, what can we do? What can we do to play our part in getting this economy going again? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, government has the biggest levers. They do have the biggest budgets. And they, are, they have the power. So they've got a perfect cocktail to actually serve the country in this crisis situation. All they need is... I think a few more courageous women to help them along. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah to that. Andrea, always lovely talking to you. Thank you very, very much. Andrea Rodemeyer is the CEO of Ask Africa. And all the details and information and surveys are on www.askafrica.co.za. 2.30, may we go to Utsi Lesaku for the latest in headlines.